0: Hello and welcome to the Be podcast. My name is Brentum and I'm excited to have you with us today. I'm your host and today we are in the Venture Voices series where we get to highlight industry experts in venture capital and the world of entrepreneurship. We're in for a treat today. We have Dallas Price from Form Ventures. Dallas, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the pod. Super excited to dive into things. Yeah, man. It's going to be amazing. So um, we have got a chance to meet recently and go over a few things, but I want to hear uh, what you have to say and what the people to hear, everything that's going on. Um want to get into a few of these uh, topics today. And I want to ask uh, just Dallas, how did your entrepreneurial journey end you at Forum Ventures? How'd you get here?
1: Yeah, man. So it was a little bit roundabout. So yeah, grew up in Winnipeg, um, spent basically my entire childhood in university there. I actually ended up with a supply chain degree. I thought okay. I was going to do like process improvement I got an internship. I was like, I don't like my job. I don't like my boss's job. I don't like my (laughs) boss's boss's job. Boss's 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 job was kind of cool, but I figured that was going to be like a 20 year road. So I figured that was not the path for me. Uh, So I ended up meeting my now business partner, Armin Aranpour. We'd been friends for a while, but we we grabbed some coffee and he was looking at starting a marketing agency. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. That sounded kind of cool. So I jumped on board. I can't say I really like knew anything about marketing at that point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just jumped in fully into it. The first year we like rented a nice office, assumed we were gonna like kill it, did not go well, ended up losing money, which is like
0: almost a di- story.
1: Yeah, which is like almost difficult to do as a service business to end up losing <laughs> money in the first year. Um, but during that year, I started falling in love with tech. So I listened to like a Sam Altman podcast gotcha. and I was just like, this is the direction I want to take things. Mm-hmm. So we eventually like fully pivoted um, and went super niche and just did branding and like content strategy for early stage startups. And yeah. um, Winnipeg had like a little tiny bit of a texting scene then and we uh, were able to get into it and, and just really started focusing. So spent a couple of years on that um, turned into like a little business, but like was not making the amount of money that like was really sustainable, yeah. um, as a young adult. So they led me out to Vancouver. I was at an agency there for a couple of years and then ended up recently in Saskatoon at an incubator accelerator called Colabs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that was super interesting and just like getting to work with a ton of tech startups. I worked with like 40 to 50 startups over wow. the course of, yeah, a couple of years. So you just see Everything and anything from, like, soil monitoring to, like, life alert buttons to, like, your typical, like, uh, you know, normal SaaS businesses. So Mm -hmm. saw a bunch of stuff there. And then eventually I applied for a job at Forum. Uh, Wasn't quite a fit, but basically I just kept interviewing for different roles, kept emailing them, kept hitting them up every time I was in Toronto. And eventually they
0: kind of just made me a role uh, in the studio. I love it. I love it. So the persistence made the door open eventually at Forum. And so now that you're there, tell us about what you're doing at Forum. For
1: sure. So Forum, we're a venture
0: fund. We're out in New York and Toronto,
1: and we have three main parts to the business. So we have an accelerator, which is extremely active. We do about 90 to 100 deals this year. Um, And that program's all about go-to-market and fundraising. And we're offering about 100K uh, per company Seven and a half percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a seed fund, so it'll be about a 20 to 30 million dollar fund targeting uh, like 400 to 650k checks. Um, and those are about half deals uh, from accelerator companies and mm-hmm. half net new deals. Gotcha. And then the part of the business that I work on is called the studio. Basically, we come up with our own ideas, vet and validate those ideas, install a founder, and then we write the first check. And then we go into like our product building mode. So we're a team of 13. So you kind of split your co-founder. Yeah. In Instead of one person, it's split into 13 across product design, growth, HR, um, and like business design.
0: Honestly, the studio model is something that is very interesting. So for Forum to have that is huge. And in your studio, obviously y'all have gotten started up here in the last year. Tell me a little bit more about specifically what you're doing at the studio right now.
1: For sure. So... It all starts with idea generation. So we've probably looked at like 500 ideas over the past year, yeah. And then most of those get killed before we even start them. So basically, what we're looking for is big markets and like, do we have a right to win? So does form uh, due to uh, connections or the fact that we're in venture or uh, like portfolio companies? Like, do we have uh, a competitive advantage over everybody else in the market? to build this company. So that's kind of how we vet ideas as to like, do we want to pursue this? And then it's basically a ton of validation work, talking to customers, Mm -hmm. figuring out what the MVP looks like. Once we have conviction around the idea that this is something we want to build, we'll install a founder. And then basically uh, it's some more work to get like very clear on like our ideal customer very clear on what the MVP is going to look like. Mm-hmm. We'll incorporate the company. We write 250k checks to start the company. Yeah, and then from there we're like fully into like product design and growth. So we have our own product team around design and mm-hmm. then uh, our dev team. So basically we'll build out the MVP and then it's like fully focused on growth. So the goal is to basically get it where MVP product functioning and around like 100k ARR. From that they're pretty much ready to raise a seed round. And, you know, really start growing.
0: Now, you you talked about some important things there. Um, one, the model that you guys have, it's pretty much all encompassing but you're not necessarily looking at the founder first, which is different than many VC models. Venture capital typically is like, hey, I'm looking for a, a great founder and an idea that we can work to get it to where it needs to be. Yeah. But you guys are going the opposite way. And you talked about a few terms in there that I, I want you to, to expand on p- potentially a little bit more as well. So when you're getting to that MVP or your minimum viable product and uh, figuring out the the profit models and the ARR and all those different type of things help some of the listeners that might not know what those things mean yeah so I've definitely spent too much time in tech and yeah. use the like acronyms for
1: everything so yeah when we're talking MVP we're just talking like what is the easiest lightweight product we can build that customers will use find value in most likely pay but in some situations we're just looking for usage um, so that's what we're looking for an MVP Um, And then we're talking ARR, we're just talking like annual recurring revenue. So for for software products, why it's such an intriguing business model, why Venture likes uh, the the software model so much is that uh, your customers are recurring. So if you're looking like Netflix, for example, you're paying it on a monthly basis. So if you're paying Netflix $10 a month, their ARR is $120. Um, So when we look at it around 100K ARR, uh, sorry, 100K ARR, they're roughly running about like uh, $8,300 in, in monthly revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're looking at, for, so like the last month we'd wanna do like $8,300 uh, per month. And at that point, you're generally ready to raise your seed round, which would be capital from you know 500K to maybe two or 3 million.
0: Gotcha. Now you keep bringing up this Netflix model and, uh, you know, recently they, they switched and I was one of the people who lost access because I was connected to my parents account still, although I am a grown man, they still give things every now and then. So I, I lost access to Netflix. Um, but you talked about how these companies that have grown to these different levels, um, you know, they continue to pivot and they, find those solutions to make their companies continue to grow. And you've worked with a lot of founders uh, from the ground stage. And so talk to me about some of the common problems that they face. And, uh, you know, to get to a company size of Netflix that is still pivoting today, what are they facing often at the beginning that they're commonly running into and needing to figure out ways to truly grow their company?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the most common thing is just like not validating your idea. I think this has been like spoken on a ton, so I'm not going to go into that too much. But one area that I'm seeing definitely happen more, especially with like increased interest rates, uh, access to capital is lower. So just in planning out um, your timeline and your capital requirements Mm -hmm. to get your your minimum viable product off the ground. So people are looking at it like I need $200,000 to develop the product. Um, uh, so I'll raise $300,000. We'll do, you know, 50 grand in marketing and then 50 grand in other costs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, realistically, it's going to cost you 250 K to build the product. You're going to yeah. have like a squeaky tight marketing budget. And what I, I've seen more and more happen is that people are rolling up to market, um, they have their MVP, they get a little bit of usage and their customer's are like, okay, this is interesting, but like really to like actually extract value from this, we need to see features X, Y, Z. And then you go, okay, cool. So now I'm going to go to my investors and I'm gonna be like, hey, listen, we we got some usage. Our our customers want to see X, Y, Z, and then they'll start paying. Mm-hmm. And then investors go, okay, you're a very low revenue company. You say your customers are going to use it if you build feature X, Y, Z, but then you're kind of in this chicken and egg problem where you don't have the funds to build the extra features you need. So your customers will use the product and pay you. And then you can't get those extra funds because you don't have the usage. Yeah. So I think you just need to be extremely intentional right now with figuring out what your budget and timeline is to build your product. So, um, you know, if you think you need 250K to build the product, you should probably raise 500. Mm-hmm. And if you can't raise 500, you can only raise 300. You need to figure out how you're going to lower your costs on the front end. Uh, to basically save some of that money. So when you actually do release that MVP, start getting a little bit of traction that you're able to then fix everything. Because obviously every first version of software has bugs and issues yeah. and you basically need capital on the back end to then fix that product. Um, and that's only
0: going to happen if you're very intentional with your capital requirements. So looking at a lot of these people who run into these issues, when you have a venture studio model, it gives you an opportunity to avoid some of these things. So as you guys are expanding into the venture studio, tell me some of the advantages of of really running uh, the venture studio model the way that you are.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So every venture studio is like a little bit different and they can actually vary quite a bit. When I look at the forum venture studio Uh, It's definitely not a model for everybody, but there is quite a few individuals or situations where it makes sense. So one is where you have like somebody who has quite a bit of area of expertise, but don't necessarily have like that exact idea that Mm -hmm. they really want to build. The other thing is like you get a team kind of already built in, like we're a team of 13, like it's, it's a pretty heavy solution to like bolt on to yeah. uh, uh, an experienced founder. So it it kind of takes some of the like loneliness away from the journey too. where mm-hmm. you have this team, you get to interact with us all the time. We're here every step of the way. And it's kind of splitting like, if you look at from like an equity standpoint, it works about the same as if you were to have a co founder. Gotcha. So you're basically splitting that co founder over 13 people. Mm-hmm. And those 13 people all have an area of expertise. So We have a designer. She's not going to do any growth work because she's a designer and she's an amazing designer and she's going to focus on that side of things. So that's where you get the expertise in design and development. We have a full-time recruitment and people person. um, So you get like that bolted on. And that's something that like you're probably a hundred percent. And you're probably not going to need somebody to help you with recruitment for quite a ways down the line because we're always going to be there to to help on that side of things. I mean, if you end up hiring 20 positions, that's probably <laughs> a little bit for, for one recruiter. But uh, definitely in those early stages, um, it, it basically just gives you uh, a group of people who are very invested in your success and basically splits um, the knowledge of one very experienced founder into 13 people to help
0: you out. That's that's awesome. And It also gives you all as a studio an opportunity to look at a lot of deals, like you said, over 500 in the last year. So what are some of the concepts that you're really excited about that are are potential companies? And then also outside of just concepts in this world of tech that you're excited about right now?
1: Yeah, so like every VC on the planet, we think AI is cool. I won't (laughs) go into that too much, but like obviously I think generative AI uh, has the ability to rapidly change a bunch of different businesses and a bunch of different ways that normal workflows are conducted. Uh, a couple trends that we're like really interested in, um, with rising interest rates, uh, like the financial situation is looking extremely different. Obviously, i like the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and, yeah. and some of the other banks. And um, it's kind of created like a little bit of an unstable financial environment. But I think that unstableness will increase. I was talking to a CFO uh, just yesterday. And he's somebody who has been through uh, the 2008 recession. Gotcha. And if you look at a lot of the CFOs at especially early stage tech companies, you know, even if you've been in finance for the past 10 years, you've been operating in essentially a zero interest rate environment. Mm-hmm. So with interest rates, you know, increasing 500 basis points, <laughs> the world is going to look very different, yeah. um, whether that's needing to figure out how to extract more and yield Thinking more about your car- counterparty risk, um, one in one business that I'd really like to build, I just have not been able to validate at all, is like with building material providers. If you mm. look at something like tile stores, yeah, um, with with contract builders, they might be loaning out a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars in tile, but there's not really a sophisticated way to check um, the credit score or basically mm. like the the actual like. Um, credit worthiness of most of these customers gotcha Um, and if you look at construction it's got the highest rate of default in the u.s wow so if you look at something like that like they're from what i've seen they're essentially operating as business as usual but we know defaults are going to increase because interest rates are are uh, rising rapidly
0: yeah definitely um so so those concepts are obviously huge um and i think that what you guys are doing with the Venture Studio model is amazing. But I want to ask, uh, when you zoom out a little bit and look at Form as a whole, what does the future look like at Form?
1: Yeah, so Form's taken a lot of like really big bets. Um, I think 18 months ago, we were a team of like six. This was this was before me. Um, and now we're a team of, uh, I think it's 27 or 28. Wow. So we've taken some big bets. Obviously, the studio's brand new. Uh, we've expanded our accelerator team. Um, we're uh, to about to close on our second seed fund. Um, and I think the goal is become like a household name Venture, mm-hmm. Like really like we've been kind of the emerging manager. We've had a bunch of accelerator funds that have done well. But I think Forum, the goal is become a household name, be really well known. The accelerator is probably going to expand a little bit more on companies, but really more focused on like ever increasing the founder experience. Seed Fund is about to close. Seed Fund 3 will probably even bigger. And then Studio's got a lot to prove out. So I think we're looking at like three different mechanisms to yeah. help founders. Um, whether you're, you know, somebody with an idea, somebody without an idea. Mm-hmm. But as long as like you're a high quality founder, I think there'll be a home for you at Forum.
0: And I think that we'll continue to expand that offering. That's awesome. So now, Atento is really in step with Forum over yeah. the last a um, little bit and so I mean again 18 months ago two years ago our team was around 10 and now we're 20 something plus as well and so we continue to grow in those same kind of um, same kind of ways and I, I really have noticed lately that we've been uh, intersecting a lot more so 100%. Uh, that that somehow led you here in Tulsa <laughs> and I want you to talk about that journey how you got here to Tulsa and what's going on uh with forum in Tulsa and different things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm fully remote. I've been fully remote for like 6 7 months now. Um so I spent like the winter in Peru and Colombia, like Beautiful. straight got out of Canada. I couldn't do the cold anymore. Yeah. Uh and then yeah, I've been across like the southern US and like mainly Canada um over over the summer. Um but yeah, Tulsa like it's so funny like especially like talking to anybody who's Canadian or even the fact of talking to anybody in Tulsa and they're like, you're Canadian. You like, you get a lot of just like very, a lot of intrigue as to like what I'm doing here. Yeah. Um. But I mean, the number one thing is like the Tulsa remote program is crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can like underestimate what $10,000 is does um, especially as a canadian ten thousand dollars usd is like even more than ten (laughs) thousand dollars canadian for us so yeah like when i look at like remote programs like it's got one of the strongest offerings like globally Mm -hmm. um and then it's really centralized so um you're kind of right in the smack dab in the middle of things like it's easy to get back to canada it's easy to get out to either coast it's easy to get to south america so i actually think it makes uh, a lot of sense for digital nomads to set up here and i think that like A lot of people are moving here and like buying houses and stuff. But I also think it's like a great place to like set up as a digital nomad and basically be able to access, you know, all of South America, all of the U.S., all of Canada.
0: Now, I'm a little biased because I'm born and raised here in Tulsa. I love this place and I've always been here, Um, but I've been able to travel a lot of places as well. Um, And Tulsa has always been home. And Mm -hmm. I think what I've seen over the last five years what you guys are bringing here to Tulsa as well as what's happening in the Arts District and the tech scene as a whole and even Black Wall Street, all these things that are having resurgences Um, are amazing and the timing is beautiful and so i'm definitely a big component for tulsa as well glad that you're here glad that you're doing work here and continuing to find things and so um before you go i want to just kind of wrap around uh with two questions number one while you've been here in tulsa what's been your favorite food spot because tulsa has some hidden gems if you you could think about uh some of the places you visit over the last little bit what are some of your favorite food spots that you got
1: uh I have, I literally cook me every single meal.
0: <laughs> so I have such, I have no good answers for this. Listen, that's a good quality to have. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't cook every meal. I, I eat out a little more than I should. But um, I know for me, we're right around the corner from Que Gusto, which is yeah. amazing empanadas. But one of my favorite places of all time is called Waffle That. If you haven't been, Waffle That, my friend on my way out okay listen we may need to <laughs> what time is it right now we may need to have the they got chicken so and waffles can we go, go for a little brunch amazing hey that we that could happen yeah so I'm um but yeah uh that's one of my favorite spots and and lastly before you go um is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with just about what you're doing how they can even stay in touch whatever whatever your final thoughts you want to leave with us
1: yeah my final little rant is that like When we're talking like trends, like obviously we talk like interest rates and, you know, that stuff's cool. But like climate, I think, is where the most interesting technological developments are happening. Yeah. And I've been talking to a lot of like younger people lately and like there's a lot of action around climate. um, But there's also like a lot of despair that like we're not going to solve climate. Climate's going to kill us all. We're going to die. I think climate change is definitely real. But I also think that we're going to solve this problem. Humans yeah. have existed for 300,000 years. We've solved a lot of problems. We've faced extinction level events before. Um, and I think that tech is the way we get out of this. And the more time that I've spent in the climate tech space, the amount of just like amazing entrepreneurs who are building in the space is is at like an all-time high. Um, so I guess my like final little quip here is that like, If you're a young person and you're thinking about tech, like this is the industry to be in. Like people are changing the world. And it's not just building software to help people run their accounting, which is amazing, Uh, but it's also like with what's happening in climate tech, like I think we are going to solve the majority of these problems. Um, And that's going to happen through technological development and exceptional
0: founders building. Beautiful. Man, thank you so much, Dallas, for everything that you shared with us. Thank you for talking to us about what's happening at Forum. And I want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Be Atento podcast. Hopefully we get to have you back again. We'll talk to you next time.